Hey, Ben. Long time no see. Zane. Oh man, bro, I haven't I haven't seen you in a long time. How you doing? Yeah, you know it's it's been a while. I, oh, has it been that long? I, I haven't noticed. Oh um, man, I've I've been trying to you know reconnect with you. You know it's been so long since we podcasted. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, uh, b- by the way, um, you know Tim's here. Uh, you know I, I started podcasting with him a while back. Uh, you know I, I don't know if you guys have met before, but uh, I was really happy to. Oh really? You know, yeah, get uh you know kind of my new and old podcaster buddies to you know kind of make nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's he, uh, he, you know that's that's cool. Good, good for you. Couldn't be happier. Glad you're podcasting. Oh, you know, yeah. I, I always, I always thought of podcasting as the thing that keeps me on the on the straight and narrow. But I, I, I did find during the time skip. You know, I did find for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what's what's uh, what's been going on for you since the time skip? Yeah, you know, I found I got a little place in the lanes. Uh, I've been yeah. you know trying to trying to exercise. Oh, uh, I became good for evil. You. Yeah. Hang on, what? Wait, I'm sorry, what did you, did you say you went evil? Yeah, I'm evil now. Oh, come on, dude. Yeah, really? It's, come on, it's not, it's not a big thing, you know? Oh, you were always so, I don't know, man. We I thought that was kind of our brand, you and me, not yeah. doing evil, podcasting for the forces of good. What What's, what's changed? Yeah, well, you know, it's I, I can still... I can still do that. I can still do whatever, right? I can quit evil whenever I want. It just villainy seemed like a better uh, aesthetic fit for me, right? I, I I I prefer the term anti-hero. I I think I'm doing the right thing. <sighs> yeah, You're the one that... who's been up to some weird stuff, you know. I'm not saying Tim's the problem, but you know he's definitely a new factor that happened around the same time. I don't know. Hang I think on. Usually, the general consensus is that I'm the problem. That, that's certainly not the first time that's been brought up. You, see you right don't need there? to get defensive, Tim. That this is Zane. You you know I'm not trying to replace you with him, right? Like this was it was it was circumstantial the fact that I stopped podcasting with you and I right, started right. podcasting and, and you with him. And... You stopped podcasting and then you said on our last episode, you said I'll never speak to you again, you unholy bastard. I'll get you. I'm going to I'm going to take revenge. I'm going to find someone else for podcast with specifically to spite you. You remember this? We were coming was... off the tail of uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, emotions <laughs> were high. You know, I was I was real incensed. I didn't know. I, I, I didn't know if I could trust you anymore. It wasn't mm-hmm. a personal thing. It really wasn't. We kind of instill a lot of mistrust between uh, people that we bring on to our network to make sure that kind of, you know, in general, they don't trust anyone but us. Sure. Uh, so that certainly could have been part of that. Yeah, and and you know what? That's great for you guys. If you want to be all morally gray, you know, and justify the means kind of guys, that's fine. Uh, I'm oh. gonna go get a scar tattoo over my face, and uh, wish you guys the best. And I hope you burn in hell. <sighs> Thank you. Good enough? Yeah. <laughs> do, do, do we want to do we want to doctor that at all, or are we? Yeah, uh, you fix it in editing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Carton Cast. My name is Ben, and my name is Zane. I'm Tim, and this is the podcast where we review old cartoons to see what we think of them as adults. And today we have a guest. How are you, Tim? I I am uh, stupendous, far better than I should be. I How don't know what guys? that means, and I'm not willing to ask, but um. <laughs> It's good to have you on the show. Uh, I'm yeah. He's got a traumatic backstory. 
no traumatic backstory here. Uh, he is just, uh, Tim is somebody, for those who don't know, I have started uh, recording uh, with the Professional Casual Network, uh, mm-hmm. of which Tim is one of the founding members, and uh, he was kind enough to let me on a number of shows, uh, chiefly the Lost Omens podcast, um, which is super fun, and I'll put a link in the show notes. But yeah, Tim, do you want to do you want to kind of give whatever intro spiel feels appropriate? Yeah. Um, so over at the Professional Casual Network, we have kind of a handful of shows, mostly revolving around actual plays of different TTRPGs, and then just an absolute bullshit wildcard show called Elite Eight Showdown, where um, you know my friend Chuck and I just kind of scream at each other about a. a a loose fitting uh, eight subject bracket it is really fun if you enjoy watching good friends commit emotional violence at each other mm-hmm. yes that's actually probably going to be a t-shirt for us at some <laughs> point <laughs> uh can have that meme with the one guy putting his hand up and like looking away and it'll say physical violence and then <laughs> gives the thumbs up or the finger guns and he's like emotional violence that's what Lead i like. showdown mm-hmm. tim it's really good to have you on this is uh this is a momentous occasion because i've been on your shows before but you haven't come on our shows yet so mm-hmm. welcome to the program well i appreciate that i'm very happy to be here actually and i'll say that it's it's I have to choose the points in which I tried to come on the show because there's been so many times where I'm like, oh, have you guys done this yet? And it's like, yes. And I was like, ah. <laughs> I mean, we, we could probably edit you into some old ones as a nice little, like, getcha. Oh, that would be incredible, I actually. Mean, yeah. like from the future. We barely talk to each other on the show as it is. Mm-hmm. We're just, we, we both have our list of notes. And once we've, <laughs> once, once we've said all of them, the podcast unceremoniously ends. Not an awful way to go about it, really. And Tim, I understand you have quite a lot of notes uh, for today, because Ben, what are we doing? Uh, I didn't say that. You may have dreamed that, so don't worry too much, Tim. Uh, today, yeah, he got mental notes zero. from his years of... If, yes. Uh, that that dog, much dog seems fighting? true. What happens in this game? Uh, yeah, uh, so today... Emotional we're talking, dog fighting. We're talking about a very new show because our format means nothing, and we fly by the seat of our pants now. Uh, yep. We're going to be talking about Arcane, which is uh, a very new show about League of Legends. Zane, do you have some production history for us? Arcane premiered on Netflix in November 2021. Uh, it draws heavily from the game League of Legends, which is a MOBA game made by Riot Games, which is terrible, and mm. is a subsidiary of Tencent Games, which are also terrible. Mm. Yes, even for game publishers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> As a huge fan of the game, you're not wrong on either. Every League of Legends person I talk to is like, listen, I know they're evil. I have a problem. I've accepted this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't seem like happy, well-adjusted people play League of Legends. No. Nope. <laughs> nope. No, yeah, you really need a, to work a, on your a, guest a, intros, Ben. <laughs> It's a very specific type. Yeah, we we that, know what we really are. Excels there. Yeah, because yeah. Ben and I don't have history with this. I don't even. I don't think I've ever played a MOBA. Ben, I think you have some familiarity with the genre, but uh, Tim, uh, yeah, Tim, you I, go way I, back in this. I've played. I played a good amount of Heroes of the Storm, and I've seen that League of Legends seems to scratch a similar itch, and did not feel interested in 
trying to learn a bunch of new mechanics or a bunch of new mm-hmm. characters. So it's, I, I it's like trying crack, right? Like, what's your best and worst? I've already case got scenarios? cocaine. <laughs> like, I I feel like I'm good, you know, with the the cocaine. Yeah, League of Legends is certainly uh, bathtub math uh, mm-hmm. compared to Heroes of the Storm, which is kind of like an edible, like significantly more digestible, uh, significantly more family facing, if it is family facing at all, versus League of Legends, which is a little bit more. You are going into where toxicity comes from. Mm-hmm. It's origin point, really. <laughs> oh, cool. I thought it was incels, but apparently it was uh, League of Legends players. Uh, yeah, yeah, one and the same. Oh, okay. Substantial oh. overlap. So, but, what is your familiarity with it? Like, when did you did did you at one point play it? Are you just familiar with the properties? What's your familiarity um, there? You one of them so, lore divers? Uh, yes, actually. So, all kind of all of the above. I got into the MOBA scene well after it was established, but uh, when League of Legends was in its beta, I was playing a different game, which actually just announced that it is shutting down, uh, called Heroes of New Earth. That was a similar mobile uh, MOBA. You have a bunch of random characters. You go in three lanes and you uh, you farm, you know, boars in a lane for an hour and then you fight actual people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But got into it then, sunk a bunch of money into it, spent a lot of time playing with friends. And the one thing that League of Legends actually did very well was they kind of established a lot of interconnected stories between characters and set up backgrounds and had kind of these very fancy trailers uh that did not represent the game that was being played in no, any way, shape, yeah. or form. <laughs> um, but which is relevant to our—that's relevant to our conversation today. Because as I understand it, um, the uh, what what was the um, what was the, the the French production studio responsible for this? Uh, this is Fortiche. Fortiche. As I understand it, they also did the like trailers for League of Legends stuff, or or maybe did some of them. Is that is that correct? I think so. Very probably. So the game was around for a while and kind of had very, very, very loose lore. And then one day they announced a new character coming out called Jinx um, mm-hmm. and had just an absolute over the top um, music video that they produced. Oh, for was that, that was Get Jinx, cr- right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Th- yes, that that was them. I went onto their website, which is impenetrable because it's French. Uh, but it, <laughs> it, it, it does apparently, uh, like apparently the... They are credited as doing not only Arcane, but also Get Jinxed um, and uh, a, a few other videos. Yeah, they put out a whole uh, handful of things since uh, they did that Get Jinxed um, video, usually tapping either K-pop bands or um, Imagine Dragons, oddly enough, <laughs> like was responsible for most of their big season trailers. Um they, and they just started doing a phenomenal job. They went from a very... The, the game itself is pretty low budget, can kind of run on anything. And then all of a sudden, they started knocking out of the park with these over-the-top CG um, yeah. mini, mini Look, shorts. Looking at, choice. Yeah, looking at League of Legends alongside Arcane, it it feels, like, profane, it you know like there, there's there's something <laughs> yeah. very very wrong about taking I mean this is you know rose colored glasses but looking at Arcane which is a fucking banger of a show mm-hmm. yeah and then looking at its very humble origins well uh, humble it's it's a huge thing it, it'd be like saying The Witcher was based on uh, RuneScape like it is <laughs> it's a huge. Yeah, a huge yeah. graphical divide. I, and I understand, like it's. I understand League of Legends was a gigantic phenomenon. It doesn't look, yeah, like it would, 
like it would morph into something that was this polished and engaging. Well, like, well they're it, doing, they're doing no. different things, right? A game and a narrative, uh, or at least a non-narratively heavy game, uh, they're doing different things. You know, it, it's, let's say that you are going into a, a, a medium, would be it games or TV or whatever, and you're working with Magic the Gathering cards, and you have to pick which half of the card am I going to source my inspiration from the top half with this beautiful art or the bottom half with this really crunchy game. Uh, and, and you can see the same kind of divide between the game and show here. I, I guess it's actually, we, a, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, there's actually a great, um, uh, kind of analogy there. It's actually very similar to how magic does their lore where none of it takes place in the game whatsoever outside mm-hmm. of a couple little art bits and flavor. And then everything else it's there. You just yeah. have to go find it or read books that are super yeah. unrelated. You have to and, imagine and the dragon type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not playing Yu-Gi-Oh, where you can just summon them into the real ass. You can world. see this dragon here now. Here it is. He's a hologram who can hurt uh, people in real life. Uh, every player of League of Legends is a fourth-rate duelist, so it's with a, a third-rate duelist with a fourth-rate deck. Uh, fair, my bad. <laughs> God damn, I love that line. That's such a. There's. People should have just stopped dissing each other after that line came out because it'll never be that good again. Oh, yeah, correct. Yeah, we we found the pinnacle. Yep, there's no more shade to be thrown. It's been thrown and it's over there, and you can use it or you can ignore it. But those are your only options. So, so Tim, how did you like become aware of this show? Because apparently they announced it like six years ago on the tenth anniversary of of League of Legends, or or at some point in that. And for me, I was browsing Netflix. I'm like. Ooh, new like masterpiece showed up. Great. I uh, are people talking about this on the internet? Yeah. All right. I guess I have to watch this now. <laughs> yeah. So actually, uh, I certainly remember it being announced uh, what seemed like forever and a half ago, and I've certainly forgotten about it and rediscovered that it was something that they were working on several times over the course of that six yeah, years. Yeah, it's kind of boom and bust. Yeah, up to the point where they started pushing it hard again. It was like, oh wait, that's that's actually coming out in like <laughs> next month. Oh, I guess like I felt like I was undressed and like this mm-hmm. was something I should have prepared for and Don't I simply in. wasn't ready for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Give me a minute. <laughs> Just But wow, was I overwhelmed. As far as a property and and lore and stuff that I cared about and most other people that played it didn't care about, this yeah. was a, a kind of a best case scenario for a property that I had any interest in uh really overachieving in what it was going for. And it and it was also a best case scenario for us because we have no perception of the pro and a lot of the time mm-hmm. what you get in these adaptations is you're kinda only gonna like it if you are familiar with the source material or or at least that that helps you get I mean yeah, I, I, I guess that's the, there's two different types of adaptation. I mean, I guess there's also the ones that don't aren't good at all, but like there's some that are good on their own, and also if you happen to be familiar with the source material, you can get something extra out of it. Like yeah. um, Castlevania, uh, which is a very similar kind of feeling yeah. adaptation animation. Um, again, kind of humble origins. But it's a weird decision on the you know company's part because I can definitely see league players jumping to this, but a lot most of the watch most of the audience presumably wouldn't have played, and of the percentage of people who liked it enough where they would go and try out League of Legends, 
I, I, I feel like most, you know, just casual Netflix watchers are not really going to be able to jump into what I consider a fairly inscrutable game and genre of game. <laughs> yeah. This goes down so easy, though. That, like, it tells you everything that you need to know, not mm-hmm. in a ham-fisted way, not in a condescending way. And, and I heard it described online as, like, this is kind of barely a League of Legends show. Like, it gives you the atmosphere of that is uh, contiguous with League of Legends, but, like... It, it, you do not require any stuff. I did not know League of Legends, and I'm in love with this show. And oh, I and I still have no, I have no interest in learning anything about League of Legends or the broader lore. I only really care about the show insofar as the show is good. And and do you do you have kind of a similar thing where like you like it independently, Tim, or is it more of a or, or do you get something out of knowing both of them and being able to enjoy both of them in in synthesis? I, I certainly think that there is another high that comes off of already being attached heavily to some of these characters too, mm-hmm. uh, 100%. Because the, the roster in League of Legends is 170 characters plus, I think, at this point. Um, and for them to, oddly enough, specifically pick like a handful of characters that I already absolutely adored. No, I literally feel mm-hmm. that the, this, this show was crafted custom for me. <laughs> and uh, I just appreciate that everyone else is along for the ride. It would be weird for them not to choose Jinx, given yeah, yes. yeah given the popularity yep. as I, mean, I understand you, 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 it. You, you scroll through the character list and you see their little splash images, and she definitely stands out. Um, yes. as as an important figure in the way that you know I, I think I mentioned this a couple episodes ago when when we said we were going to watch this um th- this this looks on the surface a very Harley Quinn a very marketable Harley Quinn with a big gun you can't mm-hmm. go wrong people will buy this mm-hmm. the, it, it does a lot of times in the show and in the promotional material that they have done for jinx strikes incredibly almost too <laughs> close to to Jin, or uh, to harley quinn at at regular intervals yeah um but yeah they know what they're doing correct they they, they certainly do um let, let's talk about kind of the way this is set up plot wise because netflix did something really deft which was have this in three disparate arcs uh, three mm-hmm. episodes at a time. We kind of have a a, a, a prelude, uh, and then we have a time skip into like kind of the middle arc where it's kind of boiling, and then the third arc where everything kind of hits the uh, hits the flashpoint and shit pops off. Um, I, I guess we just say we're just gonna spoil the whole show now, so you should watch it. But if you don't care, continue on. Um, do you do do one of you guys want to try to give like a plot uh, summary or uh... the the show exists in the aftermath of a failed rebellion by the Undercity against Piltover, this sort of up and coming within the broader, you know, uh, network of of nation states, and you know we see people just kind of surviving and living, and yeah, there's that crime element, and a lot of things kind of happen at once, um, and. It's sort of expressed uh, through these two new technologies. One from the overclass, uh, this hex tech, uh, which we see the pioneering of, and then after the time skips, the ramifications of. 
And then in the Undercity, this uh, substance called Shimmer, which is much more coded as an addictive drug, uh, like a uh, performance enhancer that turns you into a powerful monster. It's Bane Juice. It's Bane yeah, Juice. Yeah, pretty much is. And, and so... Um, what did they call well, it in um, Young Justice? Bane Juice. Formula? I don't think it was just Bane Juice. I'm pretty I sure it was called Titan Formula <laughs> juice or something. Juice of Bane. It, it was whatever turned uh, the Joker that into was... a professional wrestler in Arkham Asylum. That was the brand name, I think, was Bane Juice. Like, oh, that yeah. was one of the flavors. Oh, like yeah, Power yeah. Thirst. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was like the sugar-free version. Oh, nice. And so He's um, very health-conscious, that right. walking, <laughs> that walking building. And uh, pre, pre-time skip, what we are doing is watching some characters before they really become important uh, and shows kind of the, the factors that lead to... Um, you know, the major uh, moments of their lives. And then after the time skip, they're kind of the power players who control the technology, the politics, the will of the people. Uh, we see internal and external power struggles, and that's sort of the the most of the season. Yeah. Uh, the, Zane, you should just give plot summaries for the rest of time, because that was excellent. It, it It helps when most of the audience is familiar by, you know media or by real life of the concept of an over and under class that does a lot of work <laughs> yeah you, <laughs> just like oh wonder, magneto sure 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 mm, where'd they learn about that yeah 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 Yeah, i think from x-men mm, it just it, yeah more x-men I, I really love the notion of uh this being kind of as you said kind of these two uh nuclear weapons shimmer and uh hex tech that is not required for a over underclass power struggle, but mm-hmm. it does make individuals much more important, right? Yeah. Like, how are we, like, the, the person who is in charge of developing Hextech becomes a very important player, even though he's had no military involvement and, like, you know, didn't really I, need to be involved in the conflict to any degree. He's just I, some I, weird scientist, but all of a sudden he becomes a dramatic figure whose motivations are very important. Same I do want to talk about terrorism at length later, but I'm going to let that breathe a little. Okay. Yep. <laughs> hands off. Hands off until then. Uh, but yeah, that, that's the, that's uh, kind of the setup, and we do follow the show through a bunch of different lenses, before we get to the characters, I do want to just kind of, I want to start with the theme of this whole show, which is like the notion of progress. As is obvious because the Piltover is called the City of Progress, mm-hmm. there is this, there's this, 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 this notion that there is volatility inherent in creating progress. You know, um, you got to break a couple of eggs to make an omelet kind sure. of ideology. If, if you want to make things better, first they need to be worse or something related to that. The, the, the third episode's title is literally the, ba- the, the minimum violence necessary for change or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's on the page. Like as far as yeah. themes that drive the plot go, this is very obvious. I'm, I'm going to say one thing. It's not in... Um, it's not in contrast. Like, I I love the show, and I this is not, like, a down point on it. But I will say, like, not a lot of subtlety here. Like, you're, you're <laughs> supposed to... You're, you're supposed to tell this is the issue with progress without any uh, thought for 
you know, conservative management of that progress or, you know, um, yeah. going through the necessary checks and balances or, or what have you. It, it's it's telling you there's problems with just pursuing progress in exclusion yeah. to everything else. Yeah, especially when you're using people as a resource to fuel that progress. Yeah, yeah. and right. everyone does that. <laughs> like, yeah. it, except yep. for Vi, everyone is into that. Anyone Correct. who gains power is corrupted by it. Anyone who fights for positive things will do bad things as like to get there. Like it's it's weird though cuz the show doesn't really have what I would call a cohesive message or a thing it's trying to convince you. It's just like this is what people did. These are the results. Interpret it as you will. Um, you know, like it's the it's, dangers of progress <laughs> if I had a message. It, it's not really saying that you shouldn't make progress. It's just saying uh, buckle your seatbelt when you try for it. Yeah, yeah. The the thing that we saw in uh, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, like, if your choice is violence or nothing, you know, think about it. Yeah, yeah don't just do it because <laughs> it's the next step in a process that you... I mean, and, and to be fair, everyone who needs the progress has a reason to do it. Victor grew up in the Undercity and then he wants to create Hextech because it could save lives. I don't remember what the specifics are for how it could save lives. It's kind of not important to the overall message or the plot. But there are motivations that are more than... Uh, the motivations are grounded in reality. They're not sure. these just idealistic concerns. A lot of the time they're talked about as idealistic <laughs> concerns, but they are actually trying to affect change for a purpose. So one of the big things that Victor is normally trying to work on, especially uh, when it deals with the Undercity, which ends up becoming the Nation of Zahn, um, there's just chemical mines down there, like massive vents of huge chemical expulsions just everywhere that yeah. fuels a lot of the progress that helped Zahn, or that helped Piltover become kind of the mecca of of, of progress technology. Yeah. Like it's like are, the oblongs. We, we just sweep it under the rug. <laughs> it really is exactly <laughs> like the oblongs. Um, and they are worlds ahead of everyone else around them, too. Piltover is really not just the pinnacle of their local area. It's like of mm -hmm. the entire world. Lay some, yeah. so, lay some hot Piltover knowledge on me. <laughs> yeah, so... so Pult me one over. Everyone, we, we end up seeing, like, later, um, I think in the third arc, we get uh, to see an emissary from Noxus, which is a, oh, another player. That badass warlord? Correct. Lady warlord? That, oh, she's the best. War lady. She, she is cool, and she. I, I hope that they go into uh, some more Noxus stuff uh, in future seasons, as that country is kind of this weird middling. Are they lawful evil? Are they lawful neutral? <laughs> Somehow they're the most inclusive society in the world, because all they care about is power, and they don't care where it comes from, just as long as you can perform, protect your, your yeah, local kinsmen, yeah. regardless of who they are, hmm. and just, you know crush your enemies because Noxus is surrounded by enemies at literally every side ah. the only people that they are come somewhat okay with is Piltover because everyone needs Piltover to to move trade goods right they're it, the really economic faction well yes. you know it's yep. it's it's this idea of you know if we if we make the technological advantages uh we will you know we can do more we can accomplish more uh, and therefore, we will eventually have to labor less. We will have a higher standard of living. It never quite gets to that. You know, you never quite flip the switch on that one, though. It's always grow, grow, grow. Correct. Yeah, and, and, which is like maybe one of the weaknesses of the show is that they, they could be doing more to tell us why the progress is an important thing to 
make happen. Like, I guess they do some of it in that, um, you know, Victor obviously is his health is representative of the fact that they need Hextech to like make mm-hmm. make the city, make the Undercity better. But they, I think they could be doing more of that. Yeah, um, Tim, you you said that like Piltover's success came from the work done in in the Undercity is on. That is not super obvious in the show. It's not really clear. Is, like, aside from aside from the cops coming, uh, aside from the cops like coming in sometimes wearing gas masks, even though everybody else is breathing <laughs> like directly, um, it's not clear that there's a lot of interaction between these two cities. And so when you're just watching it, it's not like you know what I mean. I I completely do because it is they don't make it clear because they kind of not ham fist everything else but everything else is uh, that they're trying to illustrate is usually pretty straightforward and then they give you three examples and then they move on to what those examples mean Um, and they don't really do that there at all outside of a couple really tiny vignettes that don't they're kind of ambiguous unto themselves it's either Victor being a child and already being in the condition that he is in or uh, you know, people just living in those random mining communities where there's obviously toxic waste and sludge all over the place. It's, they don't it's, ever it's really say, oh, well, this is because <laughs> Piltover is using it literally to heat their toilet water. But yeah, they don't, they don't they, say they, they that. They're relying, significantly the more clear. They're relying on the audience to understand the concept of like extracting labor. Yes. And, <laughs> um, so, yeah, not a lot of connective uh, tissue on there, but it, it, it can be I assumed if you let it. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, well, I get, let, let's let's talk about some of the chief players, and maybe they can, because because they do a good job of kind of setting <coughs> these characters up as different factions in this um, this this over under city conflict. Yeah, and everybody starts off real idealist. Yep, really really yeah. bright eyed and bushy tailed these these people, and I think that um, the show primarily works in pairs of two characters. Duality, for the most yeah. part, and, and kind very of much so. Seeing how those relationships develop in tandem with the power struggle. So we start with um, Vander, who you know was part of this rebellion, and then uh, he kind of gave up the fight when he realized that you know they weren't going to win; they were just facilitating their own destruction. Uh, versus Silco, who later becomes this sort of uh, uh, you know uh, uh, you know crime lord almost. Um, who's still like no we victory at any cost? Yeah, and they sort of they sort of represent the competing uh, ideologies of the Undercity. Exactly. Um, he thinks that progress should not be stunted for any reason, up to and including atroc- atrocities. His arc is very Doctor Frankenstein, uh, and they they do the one of those this show lacks subtlety of any kind kind of things <laughs> is like he has that one part where he's like yeah i almost drowned one time uh and i was mad at the time but then i realized it was good because it changed me into who i am There's i am the survivor. epitome of progress at any cost yeah uh and you know like it they 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 really underline why his ideology is the way that it is I, I feel like at least through his arc, you kind of realize that, and maybe not, but and maybe this was completely in my head, and that 100% could be my own headcanon, but I feel like Silco has had this arc where he knows that the powers that be will literally never let um, 
what ends up becoming the nation of Zon exonerate themselves or lift themselves up by any mm -hmm. means. Yeah. They're already kind of at that late stage capitalism where the only thing that is being progressed are the council members' personal businesses. Yeah. Um, their Vander's method simply just wasn't realistic and ever panning out in any way, shape, or form. He was really just holding off the inevitable as long as he could. Right. And right. that was yeah. it. His, his end game was, well, eventually I'll die. Hopefully someone will continue feeding the cops information so they don't just tear yeah. into this place. We're, we're right. lying in wait, but at what point does that become passive? Yeah. He was fighting a losing battle, and I think Silco saw this as a, well, unfortunately the only method to take here is extremes because we are too far under the boot. Yeah. And I find Silco one of the most interesting characters because uh, he's right, uh, and the show supports that he is right. And in fact, uh, he was he was going to get everything he wanted. Spoilers. Um, really, his only flaw was like the one step back from the edge that he took. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, and if, it, if only it, he was more of an extremist. And it, it makes you know because the show does so much to not have a firm stance on most things. It it kind of comes away with the message of. Terrorism's really good and effective if you're good enough at it. The, and that's a the, weird thing to take from a big Netflix show. So, 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 so uh, okay. If, if you want to split hairs, yes, that is textually how it, how it all shakes out. No, I, I, I agree. I think that his arc of the whole... I think that they 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 don't make it like a hundred percent. Yes, this is what you should do because he's also pet. He's also like a drug lord that is keeping his populace under his thumb. Like in order, the spite to is keeping him alive. What's that? The spite is keeping him alive. Like he's running on fumes, trying to trying to force well, everyone to to aim at a single target. Well, and, and I mean, he, he does succeed in the. In the sense that his terror terrorism is working, in that he is affecting change in the direction of what he wants, but they're not making it costless, right? Mm -hmm. They are saying in order to do so, a lot of people are dying, and he's subjugating his populace with a, you know, deadly mutagenic uh, drug, and that's that's the cost. That's the idea. There is that yes, he's getting progress. No, it's not without sacrifice. Yeah. Whereas Vander bad, was all, but we are saying there's a cost. That's that's the idea. Yeah. Yes, I like that a lot. Shimmer, Shimmer really is kind of the corporate pizza party. Like you <laughs> use it to keep the good help around. <laughs> it's not really in their best interest, but on a long enough timeline, yeah. you know, it makes you come huge. to it really makes you feel appreciate. Bad. Yeah, <laughs> it'll keep you going just long enough. I, I'm getting an image in my mind of like shady uh shady people in like alleyways opening up the trench coat and there's like a there's like just like a slice of dominoes <laughs> like it's stapled to the inside of the trench coat he's like first taste is free buddy i got that herb butter crust <laughs> never going against a sicilian when death is on the line <laughs> so <laughs> i don't mm. even think that related but i appreciated the no, well, the sicilian pizza I so, no, I got that part. I don't know if you did. <laughs> I don't know so, why we're back in Princess Bride territory, but that's fine. I'm not going to miss an opportunity. Um, so the the um, next pair, or the next duo, um, are Vander's adopted kids, for whom he saw that his war was inflicting a terrible cost, and kind of hung up his gauntlets and said, like, okay, these these are my children. I'm going to try and raise them as best I can with what we got. 
Mm, disagree. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think that that is the pair uh, that the show primarily traffics in. It's certainly, you know, their relationship is the most important one in the show. I, I guess in terms of like interpersonal stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought that the Vi, uh, Kate, uh, Caitlin, Caitlin, is that her name? Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that the Vi Caitlin thing was much more of a powerful. They're, uh, they're partners and they work together. Um, but Vi and Powder. Um, kids who grew up together had a traumatic incident, separated, and are coming back and interacting with each other as adults. They're sort of um, the link between these two societies, right? Uh, and not directly, not... but like they're the ones who can move through it. They're, well, I mean, they're both children Maybe. of the Undercity, and one of them, Vi, kind of takes on Vander's ideology. You know, at first she wants to fight, much like Vander did. But once she realizes, uh, there's a very, again, lack of subtlety conversation early on where Vander's like, are you willing to do anything to do this, given that you have some people, powder, who might be the, you know, the cost of the progress? And she's like, oh, shit, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I don't know. So Vi kind of ends up with his ideology of like, there is such a thing as going too far in order to get the the change that you want. Even though she does want the Undercity to uh, to thrive, she isn't really kind of willing to go down that far. Yeah, t- Tim, why do you think these two were kind of centralized as the show's, like, face? That's a really good question. They obviously had a huge pool to pull from, but and this might be a little bit too consumerist, but... They started making a big, a big push around these particular characters when they first came out. It certainly seemed like they had predestined mm-hmm. plans for them. Mm. Um, the the sisters and and how they were kind of brought up in in the game was you weren't given any of this backstory because the the story itself of Arcane kind of takes place prior to when League of Legends takes place. Sure. Yeah. Um, so all we really knew about these two was that they were sisters. And that Vi was constantly hanging out with Caitlyn trying to catch her Harley Quinn-esque sister who was regularly just blowing stuff up. We had no Mm -hmm. idea why, but she did it to a kick-ass soundtrack. So it was pretty cool. Forgiven. True enough. Um, And as far as some of their stronger characters, I think these were a great pick. I still am not super clear on why these were the pick out of what they've had. And they've certainly put a lot of characterization into other characters and other countries and other areas. I was initially a little disappointed that they chose Piltover as the place where they were going to start. I figured they would start in a little bit more traditional good versus evil kingdom thing like Demacia and Noxus, and they they didn't. And they went Mm. for this kind of central merchant city. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's a great play. Yeah, I I think they chose just absolutely stellar characters that anyone that was familiar with uh, the property ahead of time usually already had some strong feelings toward whether it was love or hate. Sure, but um, yeah, I don't. I, uh, I think they knew that for broad market appeal, you need to start with your strongest story. Um, yes, and and your strongest characters, and having all that sort of built-in contradictions of this of of this place, um, you can you can feel it in the way that these characters act and those yeah. the decisions that they make, like you said, Ben. Yeah, I mean, given that they were apparently. Uh, trying to shove the spotlight onto Vi and Jinx pretty early on. I'm not surprised that that's where they went with it. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, Vi is just a fucking legend. I love her. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
Uh, one of her regular quotes in the game is uh, punch first, then just keep punching. That's and good. That's oh, I love it. So Absolutely adore it. She she has robot punching fists? Yes. Okay. Yeah, there's there's no a, point in the game where she does not have them. I don't know what's going on with the recent years of like animation on Netflix, but like Levius, Megalobox, and now Arcane, something about robot boxing is is very prominent. And I as a <laughs> boxer uh and uh robot uh, and, and and robot uh, I approve of the decision. Um, no, Vi is incredible. Uh, voiced by Haley Ste- uh, Steinfeld, or Steinfeld, uh, who, and yes. she, she got her breakout role in True Grit, but she was actually also uh, Spider Gwen from Into the Spider Verse. Sure, and she plays Kate Bishop in the new Hawkeye series as well, and does mm. a phenomenal job there as well. Yeah, I guess this is the point where we just say the voice acting is phenomenal. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Kind it, of, kind just... of every aesthetic level of the show is pretty fantastic right when i say that it lacks subtlety that's like kind of the only weakness that i would uh that i would argue when uh, when it's based on a pre-existing property they're called easter eggs (laughs) they have an out (laughs) yes uh yeah every aesthetic i agree you gotta read the lore book to circle back super quick too on why Piltover might have been one of the the first yeah. go tos for story, it does actually make sense. It's super centrally located as far as geographically in the world, and every other major country and every other major player that they would potentially, you know, introduce at some point hmm. all flows through you know giant merchant city at some point. Right. So you know, setting up uh, Coruscant almost kind of at the onset before you introduce you know Tatooine and all the desert places and mystics in the middle of the mountains that one time cast a spell near jay so now he thinks that he should be able to do that too yeah you know, that that, that, that wasn't contrived um right. <laughs> there, there, there's some flashbacks that are not obvious what's happening and go on too long i will i will hold that as a point against it oh yeah, yeah like and and some flashbacks that get mentioned only to kind of evaporate out of uh out out of the plot like um like uh, like Victor's mentor that was uh, keeping a kind of oh, an, singed? A, a, keeping an alien pet alive. Uh, yeah, and like I yeah, think that's... his his only utility thus far was making Victor more extreme. <laughs> as far as Tim, I can tell, Tim, you're nodding. Is this a cool ass character? In do the we games? like do we uh, like this weirdo? <laughs> uh, not not necessarily. Uh, he ends up. I assume just with some of the other Easter eggs that they've set up will become a kind of a major deal uh, in later seasons. Um, But yeah, his, his whole deal was he was kind of trying to weaponize the negative parts about the undercity well before anyone else was. Mm. And as Victor's mentor kind of gave him that oomph to be like, listen, we can use this stuff to make something better. It doesn't have to just be waste. Let's turn, you know, this into some type of silver lining. He just obviously goes a very, very, very extreme route with it. That's yeah. more based on, you know, let's turn let's, let's turn these lemons else. into well, lemon cannons. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. And and uh, I, I reached out to my friend uh, Nick, who who's uh, in grad school, and uh, he, he's the only person I knew who played League and was really into it. And his only complaint about the show was that we didn't spend more time with this character specifically, uh, and the the like side characters and B plots generally. Um, because like there's apparently a lot of cool stuff in here. I mean, they were already juggling yes. so many character arcs, and like 
I, I, I find that, like, I think that maybe he just shouldn't have been mentioned. I, I guess it's, I guess the important part of him is the, um, the, uh, is giving, um, Victor a different person with whom he can communicate. Cause like, he's, so I, I think that the Victor Jace <laughs> dynamic is, is kind of one of the, the, the cornerstones of it as well. Um, Mm-hmm. Jace being the primarily used as like the this is the good that progress can do spokesperson, but then he kind of goes the vi route of being like there's there's kind of limits that we're not supposed to push past. Let's 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 slow our roll here, um, and Victor ends up being kind of the mirror mirror version of Silco in the Overcity, where he's like I'm going to go past the uh, I'm going to go past our our, our limitations mm-hmm. and weaponize this. Well, it's that it's similar to that kind of duality thing that you mentioned before, where everyone was kind of linked to a different character that was maybe taking their own um, path in a different light. I think, especially with Victor and Jace, they kind of have a couple of those connections, where Heimerdinger to Jace is actually somewhat similar to Singed and mm-hmm. Victor. Snarf has really made well, you know, he's really <laughs> he's done well for himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he can afford a new pair of eyebrows. <laughs> And and how uh, a super a super quick aside about the the race of of beings that Heimerdinger is the Yordles. God, um, that's a good Dr. Seuss ass name, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. Uh, they have uh, one particular defect, and that is if they are left in isolation, they become evil evil wizards. That is the <laughs> only that happens. Dude, same. <laughs> They're right. <laughs> so. There's another character that I assume it will be introduced at some point named Vigar, who is just a little tiny yordle like that, who is almost like Butters as Professor Chaos, that just he <laughs> wants to be so evil and screams about, like, it's okay that I'm tiny, I'll destroy the world, it's all right, simply because he was, like, left in the woods for a little while. Oh, one nice. Time. He's, he's the yeah. Saruman to uh, uh, Heimerdinger's Gandalf. Very nice. Yeah, pretty much. Yep, yeah. exactly. And, and those three, um, Heimerdinger, Jace, and Victor, are science equals progress science and technology are what we need and they all kind of have different levels of urgency about it so heimerdinger is like i'm 300 years old i know how dangerous pushing too far is let's take this slow and jace is like we can do good let's just keep going and victor's like i am going to die if we don't figure (laughs) this out today Guys, I'm still on fire. We have all of the capabilities to build a fire extinguisher. I think we should just put them together. Yeah, have we have we looked into the theory of fire yet? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. What do, we, what do we know about this fire? How fast is it burning you? If we can't now, quantify usually it's that. Red. Sometimes it's blue. Yeah. Can't trust it. Well, Heimerdinger had a favorite tree that got hit by lightning once, and then it went up in flames. So just anything that goes yeah, near that space. Yeah, I don't know what... It, the, one of the things that maybe isn't done quite well enough is giving credence to the people who are <laughs> cautious about progress because he just comes across and i guess like maybe this is the point of the show is they want to show us the dangers of extremism in in the in the direction of progress but they also want to show us like kind of the yeah the status quo danger the the not, maybe not danger of status quo but kind of the short-sightedness or or um conservative nature of 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 being of resistant quo. to change because mm-hmm. like yeah we're, we're shown again really... and again yeah I'm, I'm sorry go ahead we're shown again and again that the status quo is like killing half the city it's not great um <laughs> it's not so good and it's 
you know, when, when you talk about like people learning that their actions, their goals have a cost, um, you have a character like uh, uh, Victor who's very aware of the cost of doing nothing, right? So like you have, yeah. you have people learning what the costs are and then you have pe- people at different levels of this is an emergency in the same way that it is in the real world, right? Like we, you know, you, whenever you look at politics and people are like, oh, you know, it's like a, like a horse race or it's, you know, back and forth. It's like, well, no, these are life and death decisions for, for some people. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. yeah, you can't just ignore it and say, let's go slow because it's it's an emergency, just not for you. And it always right. is. Right. Yeah. And that that whole kind of dichotomy is is most apparent in uh, Caitlin, who we haven't really talked about yet, uh, voiced by hmm. Katie Lung, um, whom was the unfortunately named Cho Chang in uh, uh, Harry Potter yeah, uh, the the Asian character that uh, J.K. Rowling decided to include. Oh, was that I character think. Asian? I thought so. Did J.K. Rowling say so on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> she's either gay or Asian. I can't remember which. <laughs> right. Tweets her. It uh, didn't happen. And she's very much like a good cop in the police force, like in the corrupt force kind of character, uh, used to give Vi someone to talk to and to show us that it's not a simple Star Wars good versus evil top versus like rebels versus um yeah versus empire kind of thing but some of my favorite points of the show is when she comes to the undercity and just like has no idea how things work (laughs) and do not realize that things are as bad as they are well she adapts better than most I'd say (laughs) granted uh, because she's I actually agree with you that those two are the ones who can move to between the the world's best yeah well and and those are the ones whom are kind of trying to resolve things semi-peacefully. Like, mm-hmm. wh- whereas yes. Jinx, uh, Powder Slash Jinx, is kind of uh, following in Silco's footsteps, um, embracing, you know, progress at a cost, because she- she's willing to pay that cost, ultimately. Uh, they're kind of trying to get things done diplomatically. Like, no, let's let we're gonna try to just resolve this peacefully. We're gonna get the super weapon away from the crazies that are mm. all fired up on, you know, um, radioactive goop down there, and and try to make something happen here. I I, I kind of disagree that Jinx's uh, actions are motivated in in a in a sense. Like she's causing chaos to feel better about herself. J- Jinx is Powder, um, Vi's younger sister. Yes. Who, uh, you know, grew up after the the trauma of, you know, the time skip where, like, she accidentally, through her tech engineering, killed her friends, killed her father figure, Vander, and uh, was raised by Silco. She's kind of just this chaotic Joker force um, without yeah. really any sort of grander vision. And... You know, Vi is plenty able to mess with the status quo. Right, she she destroys a chemical plant, but she's actually trying to accomplish something. Jinx is just trying to deal with just every problem. (laughs) Well, Jinx's struggle is all internal. It's Mm. it's not. She's not trying to do anything in particular other than to like make make the world make sense to her like i think that her whole arc of choosing to be powder or choosing to be jinx is sort of a metaphor metaphor for the show as a whole in in that we 
the show wants us to feel that progress comes with a price and sometimes that price is too high to justify and that is kind of her struggle is it, it's all internal it's all like do i accept that do i do i kill my past self in order to survive as this new person or or not well it's a weird it's a really weird struggle with her too because when she's following vi and vander and that group around up until she blows most of them up it doesn't ever really feel like she's on the same level of commitment as them anyway she's doing her own thing so that mm -hmm. she can feel useful but that's her only motivation right is to be useful to those around her and then yeah. does the exact same thing under silco's care it's not necessarily that she's trying to do any of these things she's trying to be useful to silco right when she's, she ends up making that decision it's to all be personal. jinx yeah correct when she ends up making that decision to be jinx over powder still I think at that point she's not she's just given up on ever having her own motivations in any way shape or form and it's yeah. just she, she's just, apolitical uh yes. in, in that sense but it, it's interesting that you know her conflict is completely divorced from almost the rest of the show um you know she doesn't have a, a clear connection to the politics or or these causes which is really interesting because she has a huge effect on them mm-hmm mm-hmm um, but in terms of like her own internal, like we spend a lot of time in her head and it's aesthetically very striking, but I, yes. I, I was a lot less interested in it than the gray morality of the city itself. What I was yeah. interested in is in Silco's relationship with Jenks because Silco's an amazing character. <laughs> Silco's <laughs> so shit. fucking yeah. good. Okay. Silco, uh, <clears throat> I understand Jinx's whole business. Split personalities, got to choose between, you know, my old self or this new person. And there's a comedy of misunderstandings about what Vi is doing with uh, this this new powder, uh, trying to replace her. Um, again, like you guys said, apolitical. I understand her, you know, struggle. What is what does Silco see in Jinx? Like, what what is that? Is is that the one? Like you said. Silco's whole thing is that's the one step he takes back from the edge is to have like this mm -hmm. one morality pet, this daughter that he cares for. What, what, where, where's that coming from? Is, is that like some leftover um, loyalty to Vander? So he's looking after the adopted daughter. Like what, what is that? I don't, I could never parse out why Silco was indebted to, or, or was, was felt affection or ownership over Jinx, you know? I, I do feel some of it is is almost uh, spiritual to Vander exclusively, but almost as a grounding for himself to remain somewhat humane, because obviously Silco at any point could have gone significantly more extreme than he already had been. He could have he could have switched over to the other eye, get got <laughs> yeah, got, gotten yeah. gotten crazy eyes both the way, <laughs> both halves. But I think I think Jinx just kind of nailed him down a little bit to why he was doing this because he could have you know really full sent it and uh yeah i think if, that if, just kind of grounded him to the people that he was working for who he was doing this for mm -hmm. the picture if, if he, jinx was the picture of maggie on the wall of the power plant for homer to <laughs> do be why he her. still shows up every day yeah <laughs> it's just this like blue-headed tween with a gun <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I mean, I mean, if you are the character who is, you know, quote unquote, um, you know, fighting for the the oppressed and the ragtag, the misfits, the those who have been forgotten, you can't really pick and choose your team. <laughs> 
I mean, like, sure. You're kind, but... you're, kind, you're kind of set with what you got, and if you turn them away, it's like, one, where do they go? And two, like, that, that, that strikes at the heart of your philosophy, doesn't it? Well, I, I think that his uh, protectiveness of Jinx is kind of a protectiveness of his philosophy. He wants... Um, he wants the Undercity to commit to this idea of being Zon. Damn the consequences, we're in all-out war with the Overcity. The whole progress without restraint thing. Mm-hmm. And he really wants Powder to say, no, get rid of Powder. We don't need her anymore. You want to be Jinx. Jinx is better. Um, you know, it, Because like, I can control her. I don't think that's it. I think that he <laughs> genuinely it's thinks that Powder... I think that he genuinely thinks that Powder is better off cutting ties with her old life because that's what he had to do with vander right Mm -hmm. he's you know like with that extremely unsubtle like drowning metaphor of being choked out by vander yeah Um, and don't 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 be depressed be angry here's a bomb (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) Uh, so i i think that it's more like an ideological anchor like he he sees in her himself Mm -hmm. uh and it's but I, i also like the idea that there's something in like um, respecting the man that Vander used to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, think, I, I think... Yeah, go ahead. I, I do think she's kind of... Uh, and granted, anyone that ends up trying to protect Jinx ends up losing because of it, or losing something major. But her and Silco, that was kind of a, a, a miss for me. His step back to not go for literally what he's been working for forever, to just be like, no, I don't want to tell you where she is. It's okay. It's because he's um, weak. Because yeah, was 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 a miss that I did not really appreciate. That mm. I, I loved everything that Silco did up until that, um, and I don't know. I I didn't I didn't like that, and it it kind of weakened <laughs> a lot of the other decisions up to that point for me. I mm. kind of do like it, but only in that it uh, mirrors the arc that Vander went through. You know, he was he was yeah. he was fighting for Zon. And then he got attachment to these adoptive adoptive girls, and a lot of the fight went out. I like the idea that uh, Silco went down that road, albeit much later. Yeah, yeah I I think um, you know his choices and uh, using Jinx um, plays into the sort of external politics of the show, where like these two technology sources, the Hextech and the Shimmer. The Hextech is, for all intents and purposes, nuclear energy, right? Yes. <laughs> it can be yeah. used yep. as a weapon. It can be used as an energy source. You have to play with it carefully. And Jinx gets some and does terrorism with it. Yes. And, you know, that's... <clears throat> the, the fact that she is not politically motivated but can have a huge effect, but the actions of the Undercity, if sufficiently violent, are capable of changing things... It's, it shows a lot of the real-world problems of our modern society where a small group of people, with some of them unhinged, doing their own thing, not controllable by the leaders, are capable of doing great destruction. That is a, a um, feature of modern society that I don't think a lot of shows really deal with. I don't, I don't agree with that. I think that a lot of shows have a... Um have a tendency, I, I, I guess I can't think of specific examples, but I don't, I don't think this is breaking new ground. I'm trying to think of examples where 
there's some Cause like, sort cause of... like the shimmer of the drug, we use it to gain power in the streets for eventually good things. Like we see that everywhere, right? That's that's a common thing. But sure. uh, th- this feels a little bit different. This like this extreme danger of the power of power for a small number of people. It it is in a way like magic. I don't know, like the proliferation of a dangerous uh, magitech. Uh, power source is done in a bunch of different media in she-ra like the first one's tech was like the be-all end-all of the Mm. the entire plot Um, i I think it's done in a lot of different media i think the difference is the point of the show that it's trying to get across is the nature of this emergent technology and that it allows you know chaos favors the underdog that is much more true when the chaos is 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 something Bigger. that can be handled by a small number of people. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I could be reading too much into it. I just really like the fact that, like, oh, this, this small nation could have had independence but refused to give up its nukes. That just feels like an interesting, like, <laughs> well, thing. Yeah, but they, they, if they gave up the nukes, they wouldn't get their independence. Like it, it's yeah. Well, well, the guy on the council promised them he would. So you know. Yeah, Joe Manchin him? said he would give it up. He, he, <laughs> Joe Manchin said that. Uh, he, he, look, he, ah, yes, he, the Jace of Congress. The Jace of. Con- <laughs> <laughs> he said he would give them independence once they uh, sacrificed all levers of power to ensure their independence. <laughs> no, like I, I think that 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 they that the show does ride that line really well of. I think where you're correct is that although other shows that deal with a Magitech thing deal mm-hmm. with, um, you know, this notion of if if this tech is unrestrained, then terrorism becomes much more possible. I think where the show takes it a step further is, but what is the alternative? Like, mm-hmm. wh- what if you don't engage with that? Like, wh- what's the... What's the logical conclusion of keeping your hands off that technology? And the truth is, somebody else is going to use it. So it, it's yeah, yeah. It, it's it's not saying, "Hey, don't do the bad thing." It's saying, "Fuck, we're in a tight spot. Uh, we're you know, <laughs> we could do the bad thing, or we could do nothing. Not, neither of these are perfect solutions." <laughs> yeah, we we see we see Jace really. You know, once he comes to the council we see him kind of having to deal with all of these realities on the ground that he wasn't prepared for. Oh, God, do I ever love a scientist who didn't want to play politics. <laughs> and then shoots a kid, you know what I mean? Sometimes just... you shoot a kid. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta. I mean, least, I mean... And he was on the job at least, too, so there's workers' comp. Yeah. People... <laughs> He's gonna be able to write other... that off. Yeah, people in the Undercity definitely get workers' comp, so, like, everything's fine. The 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 fact that this show kills kids like on screen pretty violently is is uh i I don't have a good adjective for it but it's something no let's let's talk about the tone of this show um because it is did we want to hit any more of the characters before we do uh shout out to little man (laughs) oh yeah for real Uh, and, and his do you have a i i read up a little bit into echo aka little man which is Boy, do I love that uh, that call sign. That is a <laughs> that is a fucking full metal jacket ass call sign. 
Um, I, I will say his fight scene with Jinx um, was perfect on so many levels. And this is one where I really appreciated it, uh, being familiar with the characters from the game, mm -hmm. where Echo's whole deal is that he has a effectively duplicate following him at all points that's seven seconds back in time. And his ultimate ability is to go back seven seconds to what his health was before, to where he was physically, and uh, get kind of a redo. So the fact that they heavily stylized it's that, so good. Um, it is just so good. And, and because it's between Echo and Jinx, uh, and they used to be friends. It does that like time skip thing too, where like in the now they're you know shooting each other with rifles and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But it will be intercut with scenes of them playing paintball with each other as kids, with like the mm -hmm. the little like wood like bark armor or like uh, like scrap metal armor with paintballs. Yeah. Oh god, it's it's a cinematic <laughs> masterpiece. It is so fucking good. It really, and I was sitting there, I was watching that uh, episode with my wife, and I was like, I paused it there, completely, and obviously very much not aware of the, the scene that was about to transpire, and being like, so that's Echo, he does this, he has this cool power, that's why I keep thinking they show that watch. And then we watched that scene, and it was like, oh, holy shit, well done, because that scene is so great whether you have that frame of reference or not mm -hmm. and that's the thing that arcane just did so well is that if you've never even heard or knew that this was a game the people that i've um just absolutely vomited our praise for the most with have been people with no frame of reference yeah. for the game whatsoever it is an unneeded in every way shape or form yeah. and it's just not also going to bring in new players because the the uh how's that fan base the 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 fan base what am i trying to say the uh <laughs> everyone knows uh league of legends number they know that you know listen i don't hate myself enough to subject myself to people that probably hate me more than going on league of legends and dealing with that community <laughs> yeah i get so enough of that I, I don't think they're gaining new grounds there but uh they're probably going to get a bunch of people to go back and honestly who cares oh, just yeah, keep putting out stuff like this i mean I, I, it's such a good property because even though you get something extra by knowing League of Legends, that scene without any knowledge of yeah. what Echo can do is still front to back amazing all the way around. Just to speak about like the musical, like the sound design on it and like the, the musical integration. Yeah, uh, that's a fight scene that is happening in the Undercity with kids who grew up to each other. So we got a hip hop soundtrack. Whenever we're in the Overcity, we get like opera and shit that's good on its own and you have that little like rhythmic tick tock tick tock thing leading into the song of his little pocket watch going back and forth yeah that 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 is that is definitely a standout moment in the show yeah yeah they they, they made sure that every time this character's on screen you're having a great time <laughs> who little man <laughs> yeah and it's it's interesting because like you know, the show doesn't really say who's right or wrong. The closest thing to a winning philosophy is Echo's group of, like, radical anarchists who are like, <laughs> doing pretty yeah. well for themselves in the, in the like, way off secluded parts of the underground where they've built a huge treehouse. Yeah, and a sewer Heimerdinger tree. is like, I've, I've lived for 300 years. I've learned everything there is to know. Oh, are you, oh shit, are you guys just kind of living with nature and, like, 
trying to do the best you can? What's this about? Huh, who allowed you to have trees? We're not old who junkies shooting up in the alley. Do, do <laughs> I don't know what newspapers you read. Let's, let's set up season two with this. Yeah. Hell yeah. I hope that Heimerdinger comes back. Uh, I don't know how he'll come back, if he'll go full Radagast or something, but I, I really hope <laughs> that we get uh, we get more of him because the voice performance for Heimerdinger is also extremely good. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so... Oh, yeah, so I was going to just launch into a little bit of the tone. It is dark. This is dark in a way that I like. Uh, Kids die. Mm -hmm. There is blood. There is a lot of scenes that, like, because you are familiar with the stakes, play a lot better. Like, um, one of my favorite scenes, it happens in the first arc, wherein uh, Vander is chained up. Vi goes to rescue him. Uh, uh, Vi's uh, adoptive siblings or, or like their crew or whatever one of them is like trying to pickaxe out through a wall one of them is voiced by Yuri Lowenthal and is trying to like pick uh, pick Vander's pick cups so he can get back yeah. out and Vi has to defend them against Silco and a bunch of roughs like a bunch of bunch of roughnecks that are all strung out on uh, on Bane Juice on, on, on Bane Juice <laughs> And they led up to that scene with someone on their crew getting killed in the streets. Dead. Yeah. Vi is a teenage girl. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, she's good at, 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 uh, at fisticuffs. But you, the, the stakes... <laughs> We're kind of on another level now. And this is kind of what I like about not being familiar with League of Legends is because Vi doesn't get guardrails. Uh, I did mm-hmm. not know... Whether or not she lived through the whole thing. So when she is like taking that stance, she's like gotten beat up like crazy and she just like lumbers to her feet and takes the boxing stance. That is much more. That's that's last call for the hero 101. Like, yeah, this is <laughs> yeah, where yeah. this is like a, the this is the glorious last stand. It's it's mm-hmm. it's punctuated in a way where you could see it going really bad really fast and vander has nothing he can do except watch this could easily have been vander takes the fight back up because vi dies in my eyes yes yeah yep and then the time slows down and she delivers the uppercut to what's his face and it's just like oh shit no she's (laughs) this is the other kind of hero moment let's go I really want to get what your thoughts are on the time skip and where they put it and how they delivered it because this is in my mind, the climax of the show is the end of this third episode where all the shit goes down, half the cast dies, and we kind of go onto the rails through through what's going to happen next. Yeah, the end of the prelude to the prelude that is the first season of Arcane. <laughs> Correct. Because <laughs> now they can just print money, so they're, they're going to make more. <laughs> oh, God, I'm so happy that they can just print money for the second season. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like... So, so when you start learning how to write, you're like, okay, climax goes at the end, right? You want to hit them and, and let them go, right? Like Twilight Zone. But then you go back to the classics and you're like, oh, the climax is the biggest moment, the point of no return. You're thinking like Luke Skywalker entering the Death Star, right? Like it comes an hour in, we're, we're on rails to the end of the movie. Mm. Having a climax a third of the way through your plot is pretty daring, and, and I, I've seen them do it a lot uh, in, in media recently. Like, um, there's an anime, My Next Life as a Villainous, 
where they do the like the exact same amount of time skip uh, at the exact same point, and it works to really good effect because now you have a lived-in backdrop to the main story. Um, the Good Place does this masterfully. It's like, let's take the big action of whatever the season is and move it to like a third of the way through because you just don't save it. Just add more. Well, they did that with Game of Thrones in a few... Like, the end of the first season yeah. has... Uh, has uh, uh, what's his face? Boromir gets axed, right? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So I mean, uh, it's not a new thing necessarily, but I think it's something that uh, classical interpretations of media doesn't have the verbiage for yet. In, in mm-hmm. like, it doesn't follow a Shakespearean like rising act, climax, falling act, resolution kind of arc, right? It it's got its kind of own its own structure that is based on this syndicated seasons sort of thing. Yeah. And that's Yeah, where why. you don't know if you're going to get another one, so just, you know, shoot your shot. I, yeah, correct. Partly, but I, I also think it's pretty deft storytelling because they do have it in three arcs, and very brilliantly, they released them as arcs and not as episodes on a weekly basis. They just did week, three episodes, that forms this full story, then this full three-episode full story... And, like, it, they gave it a week to marinate and, like, make its round through the internet. And I mm-hmm. kind of juice enthusiasm. I thought that that was just kind of very deft storytelling. I didn't think that it was to any particular end other than that. Yeah, it, I was almost a little disappointed in this release at first, but I'm super glad with how it turned out. Where I was like, I kind of, over three weeks, that feels like such a small event. Where when we were watching The Boys or something like that, being able to come back every week, see what the memes were, see what the internet was saying, and then kind of have that really long drawn out experience was very nice. Especially Mm -hmm. since Amazon or Netflix have been just absolutely just dumping things all at once and everyone was experiencing it at at its own pace. It's like uh, they keep on expecting COVID to end and people being able to not be in front of their TVs (laughs) all the time at some point. And then it just doesn't. It's like, oh, just keep printing content then i guess yeah (laughs) yeah so i I was these were just so nicely encapsulated that i i feel like that the way they released it was the only real way to do it you would have had (laughs) such huge weeks uh every third week effectively that yeah would have kind of made a very uneven pacing the pacing of it is is definitely bolstered by the release schedule for sure i hope they do it with the lasers i think that we haven't quite figured out the exact um the exact algorithm to uh give people binge worthy content in a way that doesn't over saturate them and doesn't you know leave them hungry for more and like I don't know if I don't know if, if if we've quite figured out the formula on how to bait the hook for audiences, but this this definitely worked on me. Yeah, for <laughs> real. Yep. Uh, let you want to just jump into animation, or do you guys want to say anything else? All right. That works uh, for me. Yeah. Uh, I only have a couple of notes here. The syncing is very good. The lip syncing, uh, the syncing of the voices to the animation is incredibly good. My favorite bit of this is in the um when you when you've gotten to like the sixth episode or something and then the song of the intro episode starts playing at the end of that episode like in the episode <laughs> yep. wake up to the sound and and you see the guy in the bar singing it and he does like that um 
everybody wants to be my enemy. And he's like making these hand gestures. <laughs> For some reason, the animation of that just looks so clean. Uh, yeah, because yes. you got to turn it into a music video. Uh-huh. It looked like a music video in the arcane universe being shot. Mm-hmm. Like it looked like a guy who was singing was. it for yeah. a later CD that was going to come out. Put put the band in the show. Why not? It's so good. They can't do that on Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they could. Just have a just have a Hans Zimmer orchestra off like 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 in yeah. the background <laughs> of, of the Red into- Wedding. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this this sure is some Imagine Dragons, like this song, right? Like, <laughs> nothing else quite sounds like this. And I'm like, whoa, I haven't heard that sound in, like, a decade. Because yeah. I only know yeah. the one song that they put out. Uh, yeah, I, I, love the, I love the vocal talent, but I, I was just very impressed. The animation doesn't look sloppy in any way. In you, you have good voice actors. You have good animation. Doesn't necessarily mean they play well together. This plays very well together. The, uh, the animation style that they did with this, where it was almost like that moving painting, mm-hmm. that's what I expected like motion comics to be like when they first came out, instead of just like shifting you know, eight cells at a time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, uh, yeah. There's, there's. I couldn't talk higher about the quality and the flow and the actual just movement of the animation itself. It's just yeah. so incredible. It's anytime they introduced a... a setting, it was always this massive backdrop where you pan out and you see just you know a tiny vi in the midst of this massive expansive you know undercity mm-hmm. or something along those lines super backlight it was just gorgeous mm-hmm. yeah it, it's beautifully done and and in the art is described as a moving oil painting and the way that they you, you know the background it's one thing um the way they do it is you, you do a 2d background digitally and you you do that by hand and then you adjust your 3d character models to match the aesthetic of the background. So that's why they have that really like stylized look to all the characters where it's like, okay, we have, we have a cartoon, we have uncanny Valley, we have real life. And this is right in between those first and second where it's, it's, Oh boy, a little bit further and it'd be uncanny Valley, but we, we found the sweet spot boys. (laughs) The characters pop a little bit better than the backgrounds, and the backgrounds pop very well. Like this, yeah, this yeah. world's awash with, uh, with with uh, with vibrancy. It's dripping. Yeah, it's a this is a this is a drippy this is a drippy city. <laughs> um, and and you know the, they do some other artistic uh, things on top of that, right? So whenever we're in Jinx's head, we get all these like neon you know uh childhood drawing sort of things um right. they do a lot with uh color and especially that like bright neon color like there's always purples and pinks and blues and greens that are just taking up the whole screen yeah that, that they they do a couple of like just genre shift to do a different um do a different animation style and it's always to a point right the um the Echo Jinx fight has that uh, lapse back into uh, old timey aesthetics, and that is done in an entirely different color scheme uh, mm-hmm. to, to kind of show that Jinx has moved beyond powder to a large degree, and also to give us that idealism of youth versus gritty present kind of feel to it. So, like the the art style definitely knows the 
the scene that it's in. Uh, again, mm-hmm. also with the with the with the jinx in her own head stuff, as you had stated. Um, yeah, art direction is is amazing. Why is this show fucking great? <laughs> do, like, well, does, and... is French animation just better? Like, do, did I not know Whoa, this? Oh, you mean like Oban Star Racers? <laughs> yeah, like reboot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I loved that the color palette for the Undercity was Barry Skittles, <laughs> while Piltover <laughs> was Tropical Skittles. Uh-huh. I mean, they were. Oh yeah, yeah. Was... Taste, taste the rainbow. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> taste the sewer rainbow. Yeah. Um, yeah, they they do a lot of work in. I think that's intentional in that it still is fairly colorful in the Undercity, as if to say, no Heimerdinger, this isn't just a cesspit. Yes, there is a lot of cess here, but there's also like <laughs> here in this pit. Here in this pit, yeah. it's a bit but, of a pit. But there's also you know this random sewer tree and. Uh, yep. Well, well that's that's the thing, right? So, like, when you think about what these people in the Undercity are holding on to, you know, you, you have the, the people in the uh, in Piltover, they're looking down on the common man and saying, you know, like, oh, you know, they get money and then they just go, you know, they drink it away, they gamble it, they spend it. A lot of them do, is the thing. Well, no, well, that's, that's the good thing, though, because yeah. you go to this bar or the local surrounding area of, you know, the lanes— and it's popping, right? It's neon, it's bright, it's futuristic. Hell They're yeah. holding on to this like aspect of technology, progress, and society. Because later on, when we go to like the somehow even more undercity, it's just like <laughs> a gray wasteland with some people on drugs. It's very funny. I I, re- I would have loved a little bit more uh a, a little bit more exploration of the different casts in within the undercity because Clearly, Vander is, like, the presentable side of it, and Silco is, yeah. like, the, this is when you are too far in debt to the mob to where you can get out conceivably. <laughs> right. You know, like, the, you I, you have now cut your ties with your family. They will never take you back. Uh, I, I want to know about it enough where, like, Tim, maybe you can tell me a little bit more about the sociopolitics, but not enough for me to actually read a lore book or to play. Like, that, that's where I'm at. <laughs> So here's the super cool thing that once Zon becomes its own um, individual nation, effectively it becomes a hotbed for any science or chemical experimentation that would not be allowed in Piltover oh, is shit. totally cool in Zon. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> bring your interns, bring your mad scientists. Listen, it's totally cool here. It's, it's like the libertarian sea palace. It really is. <laughs> it's and like then, Bioshock. Uh, <laughs> It yeah, the Libertarian an, Sea Palace. <laughs> it ends up becoming an area that is even worse than we've seen it in the show, where it is chemical spills and explosions as the norm all over the place. Oh, Silco sweet. is no longer regulating some level of the, uh, you know, just terrible things happening. It's just mm-hmm. everywhere all the time. Yeah, he kind of becomes a open Pandora's box in order to get independence, and now he can't shut it again. Correct. That is super cool. And that becomes this whole kind of thing. And I assume in season two will become Victor's larger call because uh, in the storyline stuff, he ends up making, you know, big badass golems that only job is to go down there and clean up stuff because there are chemicals corroding everyone and everything all over the place. So... Yeah. Oh, it turns out we needed those regulations that said, you know, you can't put your breathing apparatus in the acid cabinet. Correct. Yep. 
Yeah, it's um I I'm very excited for another season. I'm worried that they will try to come down on one of the two sides that we talked about of like yes progress good or no progress bad if it costs something uh, like i i hope it stays am ambiguous like i, I hope it just stays like uh, it, it 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 maintains its status as a work of media that delivers a statement but not uh not an argument if that makes sense i, I and i think it will just based on kind of how Zon ends up becoming its own deal where it's like, all right, well, maybe some of the Piltover stuff was a good idea. Maybe we should put a regulator on this. Maybe, you know, you shouldn't yeah. be able to have nuclear bombs in every basement everywhere. You shouldn't be able to smash a pot and find, you know, okay, fascist, guns, whatever you say. <laughs> but, do, do you, do you think they're going to stay mostly within the confines of the city next season or will they start um, interacting with other nations to a greater degree i think that we will probably stay within piltover and zon uh but we will see the ramifications of what has most likely been noxian spies here the whole time yeah who just who just saw the noxian leader's daughter get get offed i i forgot about um that cool uh warlord the warlord lady uh until you had mentioned her i'm like oh yeah that happened because this this world is a lot bigger than piltover even though that piltover is the place that we're talking about Mm -hmm. yeah so like this is something that really benefits from being part of an established franchise is the world feels not complete but like expansive enough to where not all of the details that we're getting are um performative in our story some of them are just like this this expresses how big this world is someone on the council is like this weird typewriter automaton i don't know what he's (laughs) what is that guy up to he i don't know where he came from i don't know if he's a representative of somewhere else i don't know if you get a seat How do you get a seat? Are there a lot of them? I don't know. It's not part of the story. It just it it suggests I'm not sure either. It suggests a broader a broader story that I'm not privy to. There are definitely some some pseudo androidy robotic clockworky people, but not to that extent. As far as <laughs> I'm aware, fascinating. Anyway, I, if there is secret city of just you know automatons, I'm unaware of it. I, I hope uh, they never explain it. I, I yeah. I hope he's the only one, and never it never gets remarked upon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, like catfish uh, street food vendor. Like I had no idea where that oh, came from, yeah. but I was yeah, kind of hoping There's occasionally for more. races, and it's, it's not <laughs> clear. <laughs> Maybe it's just that I've been watching too much Justice League, but that didn't even. Can, that, that didn't phase. That didn't phase me at all. It's like, oh yeah, of course you, there's the fish man. Look, look, you need someone greasy and large in order to be hawking this street food in the undercity. Why wouldn't he be a mutated catfish? Like, that it's yeah. There's no reason for that not to be the case. <laughs> this is where my brain stopped. You have to keep the mutant alive. That's that's all there is to it. <laughs> is that where you ended up? I, I very well could the be. The mutation must survive and also deliver cheap, uh, uh, good food at an affordable price. I, I mean, a, a regenerative, uh, regenerative, regenerative. Where, where does that meat come from? Is the question exactly? Yeah. Yes, that's why you need to keep it alive because it's feeding most of the questions. undercity. <laughs> it, it dies 
the Undercity dies. Save, save the street vendor, save the Undercity. Please hold exactly. your questions about the meat. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, wh- having, having been exposed to this uh, before the show came out, was there anything that was portrayed very differently than your preconceived notions? Can I just uh, be grateful at you, Zane, for asking the good questions? Yeah. I, I can't tell if you're being sarcastic no. because that was also your sarcastic voice. I know. And... <laughs> it's it's impenetrable. No, I I, uh, I was too hype about this show not to just, like, gravitate to the cool parts of it that I wanted to just mm-hmm. talk at you about. <laughs> you're the one who's remembering that there's a guest here with knowledge. So thank you for, for bringing us back in. Uh, yeah, Tim. Uh, as far as disappointments, no, there were literally none. Uh, a few things were changed uh, from at least what I was aware of as far as, as canon stuff goes. Um, Echo is considered the the boy who stole time because he apparently stole this. What, uh, I don't know. This what guy that just keeps point. getting more rad, right? He, that he could mean anything. Gets... That that could mean he could he could legitimately have stole uh, sand from the time palace. Uh, he could have or just, he just stole that watch. Maybe that's just a nickname that he has. Like it, it could be <laughs> anything from, from anything between those two. But okay, that's very fair. Um, I think I was hoping for. There's. Uh, I guess this isn't spoiler because we have literally no idea. But Vander, um, it is assumed or rumored ends up becoming a character named Warwick, who is, that is a. Yeah, I heard about that as well. With some big shimmer, you know, injectables. Very Bane-y, but a werewolf. Uh, You know, big things of that just (laughs) kind of slowly feeding into his system. What was Bane missing? Something that would make him, I don't know, ferocious and strong. Now, now, here's an idea, because I looked through the characters page of League of Legends. Uh, There's a lot of anime fairy ladies (laughs) uh, with with revealing clothes. Do you think they're going to make an appearance? You know, I think that they have... (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> We're gonna hold it, that one in the back pocket. I don't know because they doesn't match. I the feel tone. like they are being incredibly respectful so far with the body types that they are showing, mm. and I don't think that they will bring in some of the more traditional anime body types. Jinx uh, um, was a pleasant surprise in that it was a Harley Quinn that didn't show skin. Yeah, as the couplet goes, um, and I I I really liked the. I really like that about her. There was this one part where uh, she's talking to just this random grunt and she's like weirdly affectionate just for fun. Like you're doing great Chuck um, in that, in that voice of her. And she puts like a paint grenade on his back for funds. And I just, uh, I realized that she, if, if they were going to sexualize a character, this is the one that they would do it for. Mm-hmm. And it's all pretty innocent in in on that axis like surprisingly just... i kept waiting for the shoe to drop i know i was i was waiting for <laughs> <Right>. the negligee <laughs> um but well, yeah the internet no, I... is there for you i know <laughs> so, i don't I... want it have you what been on super... the internet <laughs> you know what's super cool uh little nod that they did is in the game caitlin has bear traps that have a <laughs> tiny cupcake on the mechanism that you step on Oh. And that was obviously ended up becoming her nickname given to her by Vi or whatever, calling her mm-hmm. cupcake. But I thought that was a really neat I nod. I'm I reject any argument that Vi and Caitlin are not hot for each other. There oh, is yeah, no platonic reading. Are. There's no, a, yeah, yeah. I, it can't be. 
They yeah. did the they did the um you know, slam the hand down, get way too close to the face kind of uh <laughs> kind of dramatic shot there. And yes, they were talking about stuff that wasn't necessarily to be taken as eroticism, but mm-hmm. God, it scratched a good itch for me. Not not in a like yeah, uh, it was the, lesbians are hot kind of way, just like But yes, also in that way. The, this is good chemistry. They both yes. want the same thing. They want a nonviolent solution to both sides' problems. They come from different side of the tracks. Like this is a romance that makes sense, and I'm so glad mm-hmm. that they didn't shy away from that at all. And they didn't make it, it but that's not the way it is in the games, I assume. But yeah, they don't get like a buff assumed. by oh, playing on the same team, right? Yeah, it's heavily assumed that they are a couple, oh, really? if not just directly said in some of their backstory oh, stuff. Cool. Um, but once again, the the shift that League of Legends made once they introduced Jinx and, and Vi was also pretty severe because it was just a whole bunch of tits and ass everywhere before that. Yeah, right, I, like, right. I buy that. I, I like that the so, gaming sphere has changed somewhat to cater to more human men and not uh, the gremlins. <laughs> that uh okay. that, that we're <laughs> used to right um i i do think uh yeah the, their relationship reminded me a lot of um you know the intense friendship of uh katra and uh allura from from shira mm-hmm. but uh it, it's interesting how like i i think there's a lot of adora like, adora right she's alluring <laughs> alluring adora yes um I, I thought at various times they were trying to set up romantic things with uh, with Jace, um, besides the the. Council they have the he, kind of Romeo Juliet with. thing with Caitlyn, but um, with Caitlyn with Victor to a degree, I kind of sensed a little more than. Just I a, a I think they hammered there. that home as a brotherly relationship first and it foremost. It became that. Yeah. Yeah. It just. I guess I'm just kind of like Jace is a very important character, and we didn't have a lot to say about him. Yeah, he's he's like look, he got put he got put through the ringer pretty pretty hard <laughs> in the series. Like a lot of things went upside down for him multiple times throughout the throughout the show. I think yeah. he just he hasn't really had time for sexuality <laughs> to to a great degree. I mean, like I guess, I guess he has that fling with um uh councilwoman Sky. Sure. Uh I assume that she's, you know, important in some way, but uh, I think that didn't did she die by the end of it? It was kind of unclear to me. The council. Yeah, he was he was vacuuming up. Yeah. Oh wait, are we talking about Jace or Victor? Uh, uh, Jace. What? Oh, sorry. I thought we were talking about Victor. No, 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 no. No, Vic, Victor turned into some sort of star golem. Yeah, yeah. Jace, I'm pretty Jace into was on a council. His wilderness yeah. style tra- uh, transformation sequence. <laughs> um, but no, uh, yeah. Jace has has the councilwoman relationship, but that always struck me not as. That that didn't strike me as romantic. That that was more mm-hmm. like a relationship of convenience. And, yeah, yeah. And like, and possibly it, a power play. Yeah, yeah. Some 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 sort of. Literally part of the manipulation that she was trained to do. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. True. Um, yeah, I, I think that it is it is kind of tragic that he so easily come kind of comes under her thumb as like someone to be controlled because I. I want to root for him, but he, I don't know. He's he's just so without agency. He's just everyone else's plaything. Yeah, he he yeah, learned oh, guile a little too late. My friend's gonna die tomorrow. Late. I'm just gonna nail this chick real quick because she I, asked I, me to. If you could give me like twenty, you know, let's be honest, ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
be right back with you, buddy. So um, let, let's let's talk about a new thing because I think we're getting kind of mired into specifics uh, that are that are a little too far down. Mm-hmm. Um, the intro. really good yeah what what is uh what's your read on it tim um i thought the you're talking about like the intro song and 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 animation uh, yes I thought it was a bit heavy-handed in letting you know that characters were going to be around for probably longer than you might have initially anticipated and that they were going to get big rock and fucking power gloves. But, <laughs> spoilers. But, I mean, uh, if you're going to give me a spoiler, that's the one to give. <laughs> Just right. dangle it. So, um, outside that, yeah, I thought it was really cool. Uh, I just... It, really heavily focused on uh Vian and Jinx yeah and I mm-hmm. feel did not really shine much of anyone else that that is true yeah. for the most part the brief parts that they do show other characters I think it's very um effective in the uh in the narrative of the intro cinematic yeah because um like the the way Victor's leg brace like breaks apart yeah a little bit of foreshadowing there my favorite bit in the intro is also my favorite part of the song where um you know the um once you turn they hate us that one um yeah in the intro it has powder and jinx uh kind of like you know holding each other and um vander is like cradling them protecting them from the world and then an mm-hmm. even larger silco is like predatoring <laughs> over vander <laughs> it's a really good shot it's such a good shot it's such a good reveal it has an awesome kind of um it, it the presentation of the intro is interesting because it's like it's it's the character's likeness but they're all kind of like wax statues they're minis, yes. right? Like this is. They're this like is Warhammer. unpainted Warhammer minis. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. With with some like really co- like some lighting of a particular color flashed over them. Yeah, yeah. Kind of removing the soul of these characters and reducing them to pieces on a game board that is this grander struggle. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I don't... like marble statues looking back at the history of a place. And yeah. we're seeing the the gritty details. And, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to like read too far into like the intentionality of it uh, because I don't know if it was intentional, and I don't know if I'm right about my read. I just, I find it really engaging. I never skipped this song. I've been listening to mm. it and humming it on, you know, I've been singing it to myself. You've been yeah. singing weeks. it to me. <laughs> Have I? I don't remember what I if I did. Can't that. help yourself. <laughs> Look out for yourself. No, I thought it was absolutely gorgeous, and yeah, it kind of, uh, they look like bronze statues, almost. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. like these, um, so can... the, the, this, 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 these figures of myth, this league of legends, <laughs> almost. Hey, you don't think. You don't think. <laughs> ben, we're the legends. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> um, a character I think we skipped over, what did you guys think about Marcus? 
Hey, Marketh. <laughs> hey, Marketh. <laughs> Yo, Marketh. Uh, the market. Yo, Mark, if you think this simmer's gonna have any bad effects on me long term, <laughs> yo, Mark, Mark, do you ever inject this stuff into your eye, then you know become like a rabid golem man? <laughs> you mean a Hulk? I said golem man. Uh, I, I I apologize for alienating you, Tim. Um, <laughs> Listen, I was I was down for the ride. You 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 know what you know what you came on for. Uh, yeah, uh, I do not remember a Marcus <laughs> in this show. <laughs> a Marcus. You mean uh, the lizard guy? Lizard guy. The, the the lizard in the cage. Lizard in the, the one cage. that they were draining or like shimmer from. Is that Marcus? <laughs> Who's Marcus? <laughs> Marcus Marcus was Caitlin's boss, the dude that started working for Silco being oh. his informant. Oh, oh, maybe yeah. maybe his name wasn't Marcus. That could also be part of oh, it. Oh, the shit swizzler. But, yeah. I yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew they, him. they didn't say his name a lot and he looked like a guy I knew, so I just always assumed that was his name. But he yeah, looked, no, his name was Marcus. He looked very expendable on the roster. Yeah. Like exceptionally well, is, is, is he a, expendable. Is he a league? Is he a legendary leaker? No, no, nope. no. He's just, he's just some guy that we needed to give more screen time to. Yeah, I mean, Silco was not even a legendary. I can't leaker. believe that Silco was an original character. Do not steal. Yeah, he was like almost, <laughs> almost certainly my favorite. Uh, they've decided to add him into uh, not League of Legends proper, but their their like auto chess spinoff, Team Fight Tactics. Cool. Oh god, um, yeah. which is exciting. People are pretty hyped for that. I, I'm almost willing to say he's my favorite character of the show. He's Him definitely the most complex and interesting. Are like way, way up there for me. Like I can't decide it's, which one I like better. I think it's between Silco and Vi. Well, so yeah, I guess Vi's kind of the clear winner. <laughs> Vi has robot fists. It's it's not really fair for <laughs> uh, me. Yeah, she. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Mar- Marcus is um like his. You can kind of see him as like the young, ki- like like they do this in any cop show that's gritty, where it's like the young kid full of idealism doesn't want to become the corrupt cop, but kind of ends up doing it anyway. Yeah, very. Um, um, was it Snow Crash or no Crash? Was that the the, the It the, was just regular Crash. Was yeah. it just the re- regular Crash, the racism movie with the cops that are? Oh God, it was pretty heavy handed. It's then. exceedingly heavy handed, but I think it had like a really good. Um, dynamic of like the 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 mm-hmm. the venerated cop and the rookie, and yeah. the venerated cop is clearly doing some bad shit, and then in a very heavy-handed and not at all subtle subtle beyond like unsubtle <laughs> beyond the bounds of even arcane, uh, showing us <laughs> like the process by which the rookie becomes kind of a racist. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, but in it, almost a way too, I felt like he was kind of looped in to a way similar that jace was by the other counselor uh there i can never remember her name madarda but yes uh where he was kind of enticed in a little bit like hey this is Mm -hmm. how we get you to be sheriff and all that stuff and then he was i felt like at least pretty not cool with what was happening but didn't feel there was really way any way out of it so it was just kind of like eh. it was another well, point I, of articulation on the overall theme of i was willing to go a certain amount in order to get mm-hmm. this thing done when you went beyond the level i was comfortable with that's when i say enough but he doesn't have the balls to do that so he just kind of <laughs> he just kind oh, of geez. <laughs> i really love that moment where they're like where he's facing down with silco and silco's like Oh, you, you, this is, this would be your, your chance to avenge, you know, your idealism and like pull the plug, but you won't do it because you're a coward. And then we see him do it. And then it's clearly a dream sequence. 
<laughs> yeah, he's yeah. like, oh, this does not go well for me. Yeah, this is not um, a thing that I'm and, and able to do. We see Silco like in the dude's house threatening his kid, <laughs> and you can see both of them. You can see where they're both coming from. You can see this horrible alliance that they're both wedded to, and they both are like part of that struggle where like my family matters. Your family is a weapon that I can use to get to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, they all have, like, every one of those major characters that is either trying to do something for or against the Undercity, they all have clear lines of complacency where at a certain point, I mm -hmm. will now just kind of let things go, even though nothing's really ever going to get better, whether it's the, the former venerable cop that was working with, with Vander, where they were both kind of like, eh, listen... We don't want to come in here. Things. This is just how it is. Yeah. And Vander being mm -hmm. kind of like, yeah, this is just kind of how it is, guys. Please don't steal from the rich people because, you know, this is how it is. They, like, kinda, it's just they kind of have all the guns. That's why we fight with boxing gloves. <laughs> I had a dream once and it didn't go great. So it's it's just everyone's super idealistic in the show until, you know, you mm -hmm. run up against that one thing they're not willing to give up. And then it's just like, oh, well, you know, I guess this is fine. Yeah, and yep. uh, clearly it isn't fine. But again, that's not the point of the show. The point is showing. The point of the show is that uh, if you're gonna do it, there's a price, uh, and it's up to you whether or not it's worth it. But you never get away from the. There's no. There's no um, good ending. Uh, solution mm -hmm. to this game, you know. Yeah. It, you're 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 fucked one way or another. It's it, it's just uh, the only choice you're making is the immediacy of that fucking and the tragedy that befalls <laughs> out of it. Uh, but it's, it's yeah. not, you, there's no solution here. It, it's an impressive thing. The show does where every instance of violence is both completely justified and totally senseless. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yes. <laughs> yep. Well, and it's, it's, it's all mandated by the, um, by the existing structure. Like if this piece has a villain, it's probably most of the people on the council. Like, yeah. they're, they're, arguably also Silco, uh, eventually Jinx, but, like, even they kind of have this empathy to them. The council, we don't know anything about. All they're doing is kind of saying no because it's never been done this way or yes because yeah. it's good for profits. Like, there was that one, that one guy who's like, you're telling us we need to stop using the hex gates because it's killing people. But then my trade shipments won't go through, and that is not okay. By Unacceptable. Like that, yeah. and, uh, like that, they're and, kind and, of the biggest villains of the piece. <laughs> Even and, more and so yes, than they, the their like evil counterparts, the chem barons that were there for fifteen minutes oh, that one time. Chem barons. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the cyber goth rave. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think it's interesting that like hey, the peace process and the deliberations and the council, you know, talking through things and this one guy with a hope and a dream and a little bit of leverage is, and it's all going to work out. And then they all get murdered. And you realize um, you, you can't really feel bad for them because they always were capable of reaching this peace. They just chose not to. Like, yes, yeah. you can get along with the status quo. You're on a time limit even if you don't know it. They are kind of the stagnation uh, spokespersons. They they are like, mm -hmm. let's do the way thing. Like, because they, they tell Jace, 
uh, you are vilified because you are doing things not as the status quo. And then he's like, but this will make you money. And then they're like, well, now we're not willing to do anything except for the things that Jace tells us to do. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's, they kind of represent the evil of maintaining the status quo because that's where the money is. That's where the levers of power already exist. And the result of that is that there was this chance for peace that was always available and they weren't willing to go for it. So, yeah, I, we're, we're just talking in circles now, but I, I think that this show is extremely good at showing us there's not really... The, the solution that you see is, is not bloodless, but also maintaining the status quo isn't bloodless. Like there's blood no matter where where this 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 feud ends up. Yep. I I, I love shows where literally everyone's the bad guy. Everyone is wrong. <laughs> yeah. Except for Echo. Echo, <laughs> little man, always always kind of yeah, kept his Echo, heart. Echo comes out on top here. He really yeah. does. Um, Arcane, really good. Ste- steampunk Game of Thrones. Hell yeah. 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 Um, and it, it, we we didn't say it, but like I, I don't think we went super far into the sound design. All the sound effects are excellent. Every time someone gets hit with a big metal gauntlet, it I believe it. Uh, and to uh-huh. be honest, that's the immersive. part. Those are the, those are the sound effects I need. So the, the music and sound are immersive until they need to be like evocative. Yes. The music choices for the Overcity versus the Undercity always tells you where you are. And and I love that attention mm. to to detail with the sound design. Uh, always yeah. having hip hop in in the Undercity is <laughs> wonderful. Uh, what uh, hip hop or metal with with Jinx? Just like yes. What if hip hop were chaotic? Uh, <laughs> in any case, hmm, what if? Yeah. So um, those the strict, you I know I, boundaries. I do think and... that we're I do think that we're we're talking in circles. So yeah, I think I think wrapping up is a good point. Uh, Tim, yeah. Do you do you have any anything that you want to say about? the show or about uh, our discussion of it that you haven't already gotten out? Yes. Um, outside of Vi, uh, my favorite character in this entire um, uh, game or, or, or lore or world is a character named Blitzcrank. He is a big metal robot whose only job is to go into places and, and save people and, and clean up stuff. Huh. Um, I assume that he will probably be coming in season two. He's one of Victor's creations. Uh, a bunch of Magi people make a bunch of golems to go into places, but they always have to be repaired. So Victor makes one that's better than all the rest, and it happens to be Blitzcrank. Oh, shit. Um, and they said crank it probably six times whenever uh, Victor and Jace were, like, working on Hextech and things oh. were getting rad. And they were like, yeah, we just got to crank it. Well, have we considered just cranking it? Well, fuck. <laughs> Shit, now's the time to crank I it. I love that Victor doesn't precisely understand the lingo. <laughs> like, he's... <laughs> yes, we have to crank it, as you say. <laughs> now we must crank. So I, I, I'm super stoked for that. Uh, he's just such a good boy. And... Uh, I, I, that's, that's the thing I'm really excited for. I'm, I'm so happy that it had so many of those little Easter eggs for you specifically. Like, I really loved the series just because it's a stellar piece of animation. I think that I got some stuff uniquely from it that you couldn't because, you know, I didn't know who was going to make it out. But I think, I think yeah. it's pretty clear that you got a lot of shit that I didn't. So the fact mm-hmm. that it has Easter eggs both for me and for you, or, or not Easter eggs, but like a little bonus... 
uh, yeah, it's it's very uh, very welcoming to a world that I have no interest in. You know, <laughs> for real, <laughs> I would um, love well, a Cliff's Notes. And it, and it's one of those things. It's like, man, if I could have gone into this blind without reading into this character, right. or that character, or knowing that Singe is going to be, you know, at some point have a giant wine bottle spewing fumes out of it to poison people at some point you know just not having that in my head at all would have made singe you know probably more innocuous but it's exciting it's exciting for everyone and that's the greatest thing about this this could not have have uh gone better for a previously existing franchise show i feel yeah as far as uh satisfying literally everyone damn near fan or not fan. Seems like, like it. i yep. don't know how this could have been improved Really? Yeah, for real. And, like, I've watched a lot of cartoons, and I generally have some uh, director's notes. I kind of don't for this, uh, largely because I, I don't know where the show needs to go in order for the franchise to work. But also just because mm -hmm. I was invested and entertained and uh, every step of the way, and it's fucking beautiful. Now, see, that I, that is the thing I'm, I'm a little concerned with, is that the bar has now been set insanely high. But now they got that money. Two. Now they can print money because everybody knows about it. <laughs> that's that's very true. But I just hope we don't get shotgun two thousand characters that have plot lines oh, that get God, stalled yeah. or lost, or because I mean they certainly the have the material to pull from. Stores. Yeah, the intro would yep. be like uh, an hour long <laughs> if you had to show all those different <laughs> Warhammer figurines. Uh, I, I'm kind of hoping that they stick with the core pilt over and maybe have a weird typewriter automaton every so often or a warlord from from where, wherever you said uh, that evil sounding country noxus yeah yes. <laughs> yeah it sounds old cheliax yes one x kind of uh yeah it's uh, so i'm hoping so that's that, more radical cousin I'm, I'm hoping that this series stays the way it is i could see them doing kind of an mcu larger universe spin-off series to other locations with other characters yeah so complete with a harem anime for the 1200 or so uh titty fairies yeah what so, if jace was the same jace as the jace from magic the gathering I, my, my friend told me uh <laughs> uh my, my friend told me a uh uh, it showed me like a meme of uh, like one of those Venn diagram memes of Arcane, mm. Magic the Gathering, Ma Magic the Gathering, a blue wizard named Jace with a face I want to punch or something in the middle. <laughs> um, one of their spinoff games that the, that Riot kind of dropped, literally silently, had announced years ago, and then after Arcane started doing well, they're like, ah, here it is, turn based <laughs> uh, kind of grid RPG, takes place in. Um, one of the areas called Bilgewater, which is just, you know, Pirate Island area, which is settled right next to Giant Undead Island. Ooh, yes, so they can good. certainly, I, I think maybe Arcane sticks actually pretty heavily with Piltover and maybe it's interactions with one or two other areas, but they can do spinoffs and all sorts of other things with every other oh, sure. area in the world. And I think that's the route it looks like they're taking. Yeah. Where they're hmm. going to kind of encapsulate certain parts of the world and do their own stories with them in different mediums that they don't all need to be Netflix uh, yeah. shows. Let me ask you this. If you do have different pro media properties, maybe even different animated series for these different areas... In, in Piltover, we've got the whole... This, this is the Merchant Guild, right? This is the Merchant Faction. Yes. This is the city where everything runs on the technology and the wealth that that affords. And the fact that it is, like, the central point of trade and 
and all that. If you were to do it in, you know, Noxus, that doesn't anymore look like a underclass, overclass power struggle that comes from the whole wealthy, uh, the wealth disparity that you get in the, in the merchant faction. Now you have something that is kind of more warlordy. Like, what does that look like? Do, what what kind of uh, tone would that property have? It wouldn't be the underclass overclass power struggle. What would it look like? The cool thing is that I do feel it would still be kind of that morally ambiguous deal. The the whole uh, kind of premise behind Noxus is they are a place that was an absolute ruined wasteland of some former kingdom and a bunch of people moved there and tried to make a living and they did it and strength was obviously the only thing that kept them alive so their borders kind of kept encroaching on other peoples other people would fight back you have barbarians to the frozen north that are constantly raiding them mm. you have you know a country of literally everyone's a paladin and they shoot rainbows to the east and then Piltover's kind of there and helps them trade. And then they have some more undead people this way. And then, you know, a bunch of orcs to the south. This, this so, sounds like a hell world. Yeah. Yeah. All, yeah. All so they, they're, they're presented as like eh, everyone has scars on their face and they only wear dark armor with skulls. But really, for the most part, listen, there's death in literally every direction. Let's just kind of band together. Yeah. And I think yeah. you could kind of do a really cool like these people are obviously evil, but they're they're pretty lawful evil about it. Yeah. In a in a actually you know what pretty much get. just lawful neutral way. Yeah. I I like the idea that we could still do a moral ambiguity. This show does not kind of posit that one way is correct and the other is bad. I like that the the idea of other cities uh showing that in a different way. So like uh maybe there's like a a, a small group of settlers who want to, you know, join up in no uh, Nox Noxus, was that it? Yeah, uh, Noxus. Uh, and they're, like, more idealistic than the general surrounding, and they just, like, kind of can't make it work. Um, or, or, or or maybe, like, doing some sort of, like... I, I think that it would work kind of as, like, a military campaign, both internal and external struggles that a military campaign would go through. I think that there would be a lot of material there for moral ambiguity. Um, mm -hmm. I don't want it to be another you know underclass overclass social uh social social unrest thing because i don't think anyone can do it as good as piltover i want to see it in it through a different context mm -hmm. do you know what i mean correct yes and and a lot of it is resource based as far as the struggles of the world so it's um, sure but they do it in different ways and it's not always that like under city over city type deal yeah i could see myself getting kind of into not a League of Legends property, but like maybe some tabletop game that took place. So I would in this. adore this to have its own adaptation for tabletop. The world's mm -hmm. just so big; you can tell so many different types of stories in the in the stuff that's there. I I would absolutely pre-order Kickstart. You know what I mean? Just if it's not already in motion, why why not? And, and yeah, done. like we're the we're the people to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> well, uh, while we are on the subject of tabletop. Uh, Tim, why don't you tell us a little bit about your projects and internet presence uh, so that we can uh, begin wrapping up? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so main place to find all of our stuff. There is a lot of it. We have a bunch of shows, and I don't want to spend the last 45 minutes going through each one of them. But professionalcasual.com is the place where you can find the most recent episodes of most of it. We do heavy nerd stuff, a uh, couple different actual plays, one in the Warhammer universe, one in the Pathfinder uh, universe. 
as well as a couple other comedy shows, including Elite Eight Showdown. We also stream Monday and Thursday nights, Monday on twitch.tv slash professional casual network, where we stream a game called Marvel Crisis Protocol. It's Marvel miniatures in more of a skirmish style um, setting. Actually pretty casual, doesn't have a lot of the more toxic elements of some of the larger uh, uh, <laughs> miniatures uh, universes. Uh, so we really like it. And then Thursdays, uh, we talk about, you know, the latest releases of that particular show over on the YouTube. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't speak to most of those properties because I've never been kind of a miniatures guy. Uh, I can only speak to the Lost Omens podcast, which is the Pathfinder one that I play in. It is exceedingly fun. And I think I might also be stepping into the, um, the what, what's the other one? Uh, the Warhammer Fantasy okay. roleplay one, yeah. I, so I might be stepping I, into that one uh, for a, a period of time as well. So if you just haven't gotten enough of my voice or want to see some Tim's more projects, you should definitely go over there to the Professional Casual Network. Um, and I'll throw a link in the show notes so that everyone knows how to how to reach you. Um, Perfect. Thank you so much. Tim. Thank you so much for uh, being on. Yeah, this was excellent. Uh, and for, absolutely. for sharing your knowledge and uh, for making us watch something that is contemporaneous. I, I really appreciate you guys giving me a chance to just kind of vomit about the characters and stuff that I like without context for how it played into the show and all. When we, uh, when, when I, I had, me- like, one of us had mentioned Arcane and the other one, their eye- eyebrows shot up and then we just, like, immediately started talking about how much we loved it i'm like okay we we needed we we kind of need to talk about this at length uh this preferably is content in front of a microphone yeah. um but yeah i i would love to have you back because like you have a broad perspective that i don't on certain media and uh if you ever you know just want to talk about a random show that you remember from your childhood we'd love to have you back on yeah absolutely you seem like the kind of guy who would have a good idea of games that could be turned into animated tv shows in a segment we should bring back. Oh, the games to watch segment. Yeah, that was a fun one. Yeah, that was a, one of our uh, chaotic uh, episodes. But um, but Ben, oh. uh, what is our next episode going to be? If not chaotic, uh, our next episode isn't chaotic. It is in fact very, uh, very orderly. Uh, some might even say elegant. Uh, it some is. Some might even say copied and pasted for most of the episodes. Is is that what it is? How much? How much have you have you watched so far? I have not watched. So this is going to be. We're going to be watching Yuri on Ice. Uh, mm-hmm. I haven't seen anything about it. The internet went crazy about it five years or so ago, and I I haven't checked it out. But it is both, as I understand it, fairly gay and also a sports anime. Um, maybe in equal parts. Probably more to the former. That's all I know about it. And I'm I'm hoping that it's not as bad as you had just kind of foreshadowed it to be because i have not watched any of it yet but it apparently i'm in for a rough ride i'm about halfway through a rewatch and boy does it not hold up on a rewatch i cannot wait for you to tell me why that is uh and i can wait to watch it apparently uh but saying what are we doing after that well ben uh after doing a show that is really good and then next we're going to do a show that is surprisingly bad, although probably still pretty good. Uh, I think we should do something that's surprisingly good, um, and that is the movie Cinderella 3. Zane, you had stated so, that you wanted <laughs> us to do a run of uh, holiday movies. Yeah, uh, eventually, but I, I accidentally like asked Nick, hey, your girlfriend's a Disney princess. 
what does she think about the best Disney sequel of all time, Cinderella 3? And so now we're kind of committed to doing he has, it. He has many opinions on this. Is he going to come back on, back on for that? Well, uh, uh, both of them are going to come on. Oh, we get a double feature? That's now, that she means. might insist that we watch The Little Mermaid 2. But if you don't know what Cinderella 3 is, um, time travel. Yes. And everybody who is giving a, an acting performance or who wrote it recognizes that this is a straight-to-TV movie and you can kind of do whatever. Hmm. So similar it's, to Ninja Turtles 3. It's also pretty Also a time-traveling movie that gets written off. Ooh. Uh, well, I can't wait to see that crossover. Who's the villain of that fiction. one? Uh, the Time. writers, I think. Oh, yeah. That yeah. tracks. <laughs> Entropy. <laughs> the almighty dollar. Uh, but yeah, that should be a, a pretty easy, breezy, quick one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know anything about it, so... Uh, Goes I, down smooth. I, a lot of surprising laughs. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to see how Nick interacts when he has to behave himself to a... I guess his girlfriend probably already knows what she, she signed she on for. She must know. Yeah. Uh, Nick is, uh, elemental, Tim. <laughs> Just, uh, he's, he's a, he's a rambunctiousness and music elemental, so you get a lot of screaming and singing whenever he's on. Okay. Uh, Hell yeah. Uh, but he's very, <laughs> he's very emotional about his likes, so yeah, that'll be fun. Um, if you guys have anything to say about Cinderella 3 for some reason, or more likely Yuri on Ice, you can go to the Cartoncast, uh, on our Facebook page, you can go to uh, www.cartoncast.com or www.fancybat.com slash cartoncast to go to mm-hmm. our website. Um, you can go to the contact page there to drop us uh, what you think about either one of those shows or suggest a show for us to watch. Uh, you can go to Apple Podcasts to uh, rate or review us. We really enjoy it, and it validates our existence. And more than anything else, please tell your friends about the show. Uh, Tim, do you have anything to sign off with in a League of Legends slash Arcane type of way? Uh, yeah. yeah what, 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 what do they say when they go off to fight? Uh, crank it. Crank that soldier boy. <laughs> oh, no. Are we doing another soldier, soldier boy, boy outro? Did, uh, How did, many of these do we have? Can, should we just put the uh, one-winged angel soldier boy mashup as the outro again? <laughs> <laughs> we can't. We can't keep using that. <laughs> who's gonna who's gonna dock us i mean yeah if if you guys can't soldier boy those hoes then who is soldier boy <laughs> that's a good question uh i am if only i could create some sort of golem for <laughs> some boy. sort of typewriter boy 